Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are listening to my good self on the plotting shed. Welcome back and thank you all very much for downloading this next episode of The Plotting Shed. So this week I'm talking about thin narrow spaces. Last week it was sort of where your garden was wider than it was deep and how that can impact how you think about the design process. So this week's the opposite. It's where your garden is very very narrow. So you might have a long thin garden like for example the old terrace houses that you see in that were built in Victorian areas they're all sort of side by side and then there were some very long narrow thin plots but also there's another type of narrow garden and that's very much in an urban cityscape where the space that you've got outside is is really tight and so you just don't have a lot of space you might have a little walkway down the side of the house to a small courtyard well that small space when you've only got a a few square meters of outside space you want to be able to utilize as much of it as possible as a garden so i was going to talk about the design principles that you need to use in order to be able to make a garden and interestingly i was looking on the one of the, i was looking through the news on the bbc website the other day and obviously chelsea flower show is coming up and they're doing another uh, series of balcony gardens and there was a little feature on the bbc news about one of the balcony gardens and he was called the cloud gardener and this was a gentleman who lives about the i think it was the 18th floor of his apartment block in Manchester and he decided to create a garden literally on his balcony over lockdown and it just shows that with a bit of determination and innovation and just thinking through the problems you can grow anything anywhere and it gave him his little small few paces of outdoor space that he had He'd created a really beautiful space full of bright, happy flowers that gave him a lot of enjoyment. So I'm going to talk about that bit first, which is if you are in, say, a city garden or you're in a, an older property and you step out of the back door and you've got a little side alley bit and there's a little narrow space. And let's face it, you know, you still look at it through the kitchen window on a many occasions or it may be the view from a a bedroom window or a sitting room window that you stare down the alley and what can you do can you create a planting space can you create a garden in these spaces and obviously yes you can but you have to think differently as always you have to understand the problems so if you understand what could go wrong 
and you tackle those things before you start your garden, then what you create won't go wrong. So if you live in one of these urban landscapes and you have a, an outdoor space where you have a wall on one side and a fence on the other side, what do you do and what are the issues that you have to overcome? Well, there are generally three main problems with this type of space. The first one is that it, A, it just feels a bit like a, a very narrow tunnel. And occasionally the wind can really sort of whistle round some of these buildings and create funneling effects. So you can get quite windy spaces in these little, little alleyways. It's also the fact that it's too narrow to grow anything big enough to be able to hide your boundaries or make them disappear. And thirdly, light and rainfall are actually in quite short supply if you're looking down at ground level. If you think of the fence shadow, the house shadow, any other buildings that might be shadowing, and also those buildings will create rain shadows, so you don't actually get rainfall down on the ground level. It's really hard to grow stuff in those lower light levels. So those are the three issues. So what can you do in a tiny little narrow space like that? As I've said in previous podcasts, our eyes follow straight lines. So if you've got the line of the fence, the line of the wall, the line of buildings, everything else, you're constantly being visually pulled to look at all of these straight vertical lines or horizontal lines. Now, in a tiny space like that, you just haven't got the space to be able to break up all of it in order to create a, visu a visual view of a garden. So what you need to do is you need to break up the most important part of it. So if you are in the kitchen, for example, and your view out of the window is to the fence, that is the most important part that you need to tackle. So if you can create a garden just in that small space that is directly where you look out to, then that gives you the maximum benefit. You won't be able to create a space all the way along. Now, the second bit is that obviously, if you are in a building and you're looking out of the window, you're going to see the fence. There is the immediate thought process is, okay, I'll grow a climber on the fence. But this throws up another problem as well, in that if you grow a climber along the fence, instead of a fence wall, you get a big green wall. Now, if you want to gain privacy, you might put a trellis above that fence particularly, but then the climber will grow into the trellis and it will then cut your light out into your own window. So what you do is you reduce your own sunshine and you give yourself a green a green view, or albeit nicer than a, a fence or a, or a wall maybe, but it still doesn't really add anything. You're still having a solid visual object to look at. Plus the fact that plants always grow towards the light. So your side of the fence, which is then the darker side maybe, because you've got your wall from your house shading that fence as well, all the flowers and the good bits will grow away and up towards the light. 
So you might give your neighbours a better view, but you might not get the best part of it. So I would have suggested that growing a, a, a climber all along the fence is probably not the best option. So this is a really simple solution I think works really well in these sorts of places. I think what you need to do is use wall mounted troughs that you will attach as high up the fence as you can near the top of the fence line as possible. And if those can be relatively wide, so if you're looking from your kitchen window out, then you can fill those with some really light, soft plants that will move and dance in the wind because they might have to be fairly wind tolerant. So grasses and things like this could be a really good plant to grow. What you're looking for are plants that are fairly shallow rooted that will tolerate drought. They're going to get wind evaporation. So you want plants with thin leaves or those sort of slightly thicker, fleshier leaf that will retain their own moisture. You can add really tough plants that grow in really tough conditions. Well, if it's really shady, like begonias or vincas, which I prefer over ivy, by the way, because they've just got prettier flowers. But begonia, vincas, you can grow some of the plants that you would like, lamium even, that things that would take over on a ground will thrive in shaded, dry conditions, which means that you don't have to water the trough too much. Now, the other thing that you can do with creating a garden in a narrow space like that is to think about how you can bounce light. Most of these spaces tend to be quite dark and gloomy, but if you could get some nice old mirrors that you go down to a junk shop or you can recycle or upcycle, mirrors attached to strategic surfaces on those small narrow alleyways will lighten the space. You can then do things like plug in a one of the, the solar powered light little string lights that you can get so the solar power unit can sit on the fence and you can wrap the solar lights around the, the mirror and again if you had a small trough of plants or basket near it that can grow in front of the mirror and what it does do is it gives you a sense of a little false depth so your narrow space doesn't appear quite so narrow and especially if you have the ability to put a mirror on something and grow plants in front of it the reflection of the plants makes that that false depth so in those sorts of spaces you can't grow a lot so what you have to do is think about growing something well and think about the conditions that are there so you need tough dry shade tolerant plants that will also cope with wind so if you pick some really tough specimens Put them in high up so that you can see them from inside the house and use things like mirrors and solar lights as well. You can create just a little space, not the whole space, just a little space outside your window, which gives you the feeling that you do have a bit of a garden. But I would suggest in those sorts of places, try to avoid planting anything direct onto the ground because you, you just don't get the light and it'll always struggle. And similarly, don't plant really, really tall plants because you still need to get some light into your 
windows. So you just want plants that will be pretty and capture your attention. So things as well you can put in the trough, you can also add things like spring bulbs when then these will pop up and are quite used to growing up, say, in woodland conditions. So they'll they'll grow in that kind of shady environment that you have and you can get little pops of colour. So there might be bulbs, the muscari, or even things like uh, fritillaria, the snake's head fritillary, you can put in crocuses. So in early spring, you can get some little pops of colour coming up. And then you've got things like grasses and the tough evergreens or the, the begonias, this sort of thing. So you do get leaf and greenery. It'll just make that small space feel like a garden. But then there's the other type of narrow gardens, which are the really long, old fashioned terrace house gardens where you have a narrow width of the house and then you've got a long straight fence one side and a long straight fence the other side. So how do we deal with those? What are the design problems of a narrow garden? Well, if you think about how you use a garden, what do you do? You sit, you go outside and you sit in the garden, you go and take a cup of coffee, maybe a cup of tea, maybe after six o'clock it might be a glass of something different, but generally people like to sit and wander in their garden. There's a sunny corner for the morning, there's a sunny spot for the evening. People like to tend to vegetables in their garden. But generally what you do is you, as my father would say, you wander around your estate and you just admire what's there. Now, this is the main issue with a long, narrow garden, is that when you are sitting in your house everything is on view and it just is it just you can see it all at once it's just there laid out in front of you in a big straight line the fences because of perspective seem to close the garden in as you get further so it seems smaller because the fences seem to come together towards a point towards the end of the garden so you just don't get that concept of space so we have to tackle these two problems, how we use the garden and tackling this visual narrowing down so we just feel a bit constrained. So the way that we do it is this, and the most important thing you need to remember is you have to control what you see. And that means that we have to strategically place elements down the length of the garden that make you look at them. So instead of going from the patio door to the end fence in quarter of a second, your interest is taken by certain things down the garden. So it slows the process of you seeing down the garden. Secondly, we have to make sure that at some point you can't see all of the garden. Now, this is going to seem counterintuitive, but what that means is that part of the way down the garden, or at least in one, maybe, or even two parts, we put in barriers that close off what's behind that space. Now, you're going to go, yeah, I know, but that, that's just going to make the narrow garden seem even narrower because I'm putting in a, a barrier part way down and I can't see past it. Well, it doesn't 
Because what we do then, and this is the clever designery bit, is you create something at ground level that makes it look like some, the garden is going around a corner. Because if the garden's going around a corner, it's got space to go around the corner. Which means that if you're standing before you get to that barrier and you can't see around the corner, you assume that there is space on the other side. Now, if when you get round the corner, there isn't space, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is you've created that impression of space. So we control the view down the garden and we have to make you feel that the garden's moving from the right to the left or the left to the right. So it's a sort of a zigzag to some extent. You can either do it like, you know, the Greek key. So it's sort of 90 degree turns or we do a sort of a zigzag or we do a curve like a sine wave sweeping from left to right. But the whole point is we try and emphasize the width by making you look that way and then stopping you looking that way and telling you because things curve off or move off in a different direction. There's something over here. So you walk a different way. So the key to that, though, is this, that when you put the barriers in, now these can be plants, these can be trees, they can, these can be screens, these could be your garden shed, for example, that we give the impression that there's something behind it on the other side because the path or the, or the lawn goes round or curves round behind there. But the most important element is that those objects, those barriers, have to be taller than the fence line behind them. Because if you've got the barrier and you're looking down the garden, you can see the fence line just poking in straight behind that barrier. Then our visual deception at ground level is undermined by the straight line of the fence going, hey, oh, look, there's nothing there, but you know, you've only got two feet that side of it. Um, it, it destroys your visual deception. So we have to go taller than the fence line in order to make it, it work. Then what you can do is, as I said before, we like to wander down the garden physically, but also if you're on the patio, your eyes wander down the garden visually. So how do we engage those and make them stop at bits and pieces? So that again, it feels like the garden has more in it and more to offer. Well, there's two ways of doing that. Okay, the first is how we use color. And the second is repeat planting. And the two can dovetail together. If you're using the color of flowers, for example, or the color of foliage, or you can use specific colors to, to appear down the garden. So let me just describe something to you. So there is a general design principle that states that bright colors stand out from the background. So they appear slightly closer because they're brighter and pastel colors, whites and things tend to be fading into the background a little bit more. So if you painted your fences a really dark color and put bright greenery in front of them, the fences do begin to feel a little further away. If you painted the fences bright yellow, they would be 
much more noticeable and feel much closer. If you used a collection of pots and they were all one colour, just like in your sitting room where you might have accents, you might have certain cushions or you might have the lampshades and the cushions will be a similar colour. If you dot the same colour pots or the same shape of pots down the garden, then what you're doing is you're creating those visual stop and look at me parts. So that bright orange pot that might be the collection that will be on the patio, you've got some further down the garden. You might give the hint that there's a little bit of them hiding behind one of the barriers. You can just see it. But what it does is it makes you look and go, oh, there's one there. What's over there? There's another similar colour thing down there. And it just gives you these visual stopping points to make you look. So again, those can be bright colours if you want to, to notice things in the garden. Or you can use similar objects. You can use statues. You can use water features. You can use natural art subjects. You can use um, obelisks, tall obelisks with flowering plants. But again, what you're doing is you're creating a similar thing all the way down the garden but at different points and on different sides. So again, it's saying, look here, then look here, then look here, then look here. And only then do you reach the end of the garden. It won't make the garden any wider, but it will make the garden feel wider. And that's the aim of any good design, is to imply that they, you have more than you actually do. So make sure with any long narrow garden or narrow space that you you really think, what are the issues I have to deal with? And think about designing elements that will hide those issues. The planting there just is added, added on top of it. But for narrow gardens, it's really very much about the, the design. You get to think about what problem you are trying to solve. I think a lot of people get too caught up in creating planting themes and colour schemes and everything else. And you forget why you're doing it. And obviously for a narrow garden like this, if you can make it feel wider because we're zigzagging and moving things down the garden, stopping people from seeing everything all at once. It's not just the plants that can do that. Everything has to work together to do that so that your zigzag effect is not just at ground level, it's 3D. It's what you see in front of your eyes at eye level that is as important as what is at a ground level. And if you think about those, those structures at top, middle and bottom and left and right and zigzag, you will be able to make your narrow garden feel more full, feel better designed, it's more interesting and it will feel wider. So what I'll do, I'll put some links to a couple of posts that I've got on my website about narrow gardens and how you can design them and also if you have a look in the garden design gallery, I've done quite a few narrow gardens and you'll see I've used the similar principles to offset and make people think about moving down a garden and putting these little visual full stops and look at me bits so that you can make the garden feel more interesting 
even though you haven't got a lot of space to work with. So I hope that's made things not too unclear, but I'm trying to give you a design understanding not in horticultural language so that you can look at your own gardens and go, yeah, that's what I need to do. So I'm going to go and do it. So good luck with that. And next week we're on upslopes and downslopes and how you deal with issues when your garden isn't flat. So I will look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you very much for listening. And do please drop me an email. I love to read them. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.